welcome to the What the Fork podcast. Hello and welcome back to What the Fork Happened This Week podcast in association with Viper Goalkeeping. We've been away for about two weeks, I think, um, because shit got busy, I guess, and football happened, (laughs) lots of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're back to discuss Virgil van Dijk, Virgil van Wyk, as he's now being self-titled by SAFC Fan TV, Angry Managers, and like all the other stuff that happened in football and that. Um, joining us this week is the usual suspects. Jack, how are you doing? Are you all right? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, mate, I'm not bad. Um, my hair looks a bit like Lloyd Christmas, but thankfully this is an audio podcast <laughs> as opposed to a as opposed to a visual, so I've, I've got away with that one. Um, I can get a haircut now because apparently I'm a real journalist and that. All right. A real journalist, got a job and all that. <laughs> don't, want to, don't want to congratulate myself, but if anyone wants to leave thank yous and well dones in the messages below, you can. Um, Ian, how are you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm fine, yeah. Yeah, same as always. Yeah, just COVID. COVID life. Mm-hmm. Just all it is now. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, very much so. Just in the house, the pubs are shut. I just stuck in the house. There's a little, little <laughs> old fella that lives now with flats, right? And... He's just that kind of guy that you just know always, always just lives in the pub. And if you want to live your life that way, knee bother. If you're like 85 million years old and you want to live your life in a pub, I'm so on board with it. But like Ashley seen him the other day and she was just like, I hope he's all right. Because like, I think he just stays in the house now, unless he's got a bar in his house. But anyway, we're going way, (laughs) way outside of the world of football here. Um, well, as always, we're starting Sunland. Since we last chatted, there's been loads of clean sheets, basically. Um, I'll come to you first, Jack. Um, Swindon and crew, we've demolished them. We've pounded them down. We are sailing towards the championship in October. But um, how many points do you think we're going to win the league by? 110 points on the board, get it, get it on. You know, we're going to break the 105-point team. It's already done and dusted, man. Give us a trophy now. Top scorer, Charlie White, could have believed it. <laughs> Um, no, I thought we um, I thought we played well, particularly last night. I think I'll go chronological order. I'll go to Swindon first. I thought Swindon we played well in spells. I thought we had a 20-minute spell in the first half against Swindon where we looked sharp. Um, and then a 10 or 15-minute spell in the second half where we looked really honest. And to be honest, I think that was enough to get the win. I think I looked at the stats. I think Swindon actually had more of the ball than us on Saturday, but they did nothing with it, basically. Um. They were just... Yeah, a lot of their balls on the halfway line and really we kept them at arm's length. I thought the two bits of quality were the ball in and finish and then the break on for the second. So it was fairly comfortable. I think the style of play that we play is not we're not going to concede a lot of it because we, we never really bomb on and properly attack teams. So I think we're gonna keep quite a few clean sheets. Um and then last night I thought the only downside last night was it was only one hell. I mean we were so so you know Missing so many chances, it could have been three for any night and any any score really on the night. And, um, that was the only frustrating thing. I think some of fans we have the cynical head on whereby one nil with ten minutes to go, despite being in complete control. I'm sure I, I was, and I'm sure you two were the same. You were thinking there's a goal right. coming here, there's a crew equaliser coming here, there's a sloppy mistake coming from somewhere. And thankfully, it didn't happen. But that was the only downside. I thought we looked probably the best I've seen for a while under Parkinson. I thought we were intense, we were creating chances, we were pressing. We looked sharp on the ball. And yeah, bar a couple of goals, it would have been a perfect performance. 
I've really panicked in the last 10 minutes because Crew are my football manager team and I've got a really good save with Crew. So it's like it was one of those League One teams that I watched and I knew every single player, but only their football manager abilities as opposed to their real ones. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like watching Pickering. I'm like, if this is the free kick, 25 yards from goal here, Pickering can bang it in. Or if Ryan Wintle's decent in the middle, he's, he's industrious. And then I kind of like flick myself and be like, that's a computer game, Graham. <laughs> These are just a League One team. They're actually shit. But yeah, you made them good. It's all about you, Graham, as we've already noticed. Um, Ian, what did you make of the, the Sunderland dominating performances over other teams from League One that should never be anywhere near a team of Sunderland's quality and class? Yeah, I think, and, you know, Jack actually summed it up really, really well. But, um, yeah, for me, I thought uh, an interesting double sort of head of this one. So, you know, Swindon and... Um, uh, Cacks, as they were called crew. last night on the stream. They were called Cacks. Uh-huh. Yeah, Cacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And little well, did we yeah. know how true that would be, that they would be totally Cacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah, you know, an interesting double they sort of had this. So, you know, both teams have just, you know, come up. Um Swindon, I think. Whoa. Oh, there's the cat. Fantastic. Yeah. Arse, cat's arse right in front of the camera. And then the dog is not happy about it either. This no. is brilliant. It's like fucking Dr. Doolittle, this. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, um, so, Swindon, yeah, I um, I thought, I, you know, you, you expect Swindon to actually have have a go, and uh, to be fair, you know they did, um, but you know you, you did really see the uh, the sort of limits there with them as well. You yeah, know, you know at, at the end of the match, they really didn't offer much, you know, threat. Um, they missed Brett. Uh, they sort of Pittman. I'm glad he wasn't there. You know, just. Uh-huh. But, um, You'd be on yeah. tenderhooks if you're a ball boy, though, wouldn't you? If Brett Pittman, like, if you don't know whether he's playing or not, and you're a ball boy, you're like shitting yourself, like, oh no, is Brett playing? He's, he's going to shout at us again. Like, what's going to happen? Is he going to scream? It? It's going to be Harry. It's going to be Harry. Well, but, yeah. Well, I mean, thank- <laughs> thankfully, there aren't any there, isn't it? So that's, uh, I'm sorry oh, yeah. for the ball boys. But, uh, um, yeah, crew. Yeah, you know, the, I was looking at. At um, the, the team there, and you know some big lads, big fast, sort of powerful lads, and yeah, you know I thought I thought that they could have done more, but yeah, they were they were really really poor, um, and subsequently we we looked really good, so works out, doesn't it? It's nice when yeah. that happens. It's just yeah. so typical, isn't it? That something they've had a really mint start of the season and no fans are allowed. It's like ah oh, right, thanks lads, thanks for waiting two decades to have a really good start the season one. We can it go and we've got to watch through the medium of the internet. Um, one thing I've got to touch on is, uh, I'll come to you with this, Jack, but like that defence, it feels like you could put dumb on, dumb on the right and dumber on the left. If you've got Bailey right in the middle, we're going to keep a clean sheet, aren't we? Yeah, he makes such a big difference, not only in how good of a player he is, but I think he, he raises the game and the other defenders around him. I think he's, he's calm on the ball. I think he's, he's, he's a leader in terms of positioning, you know, down the one to step up, when to push out, you know, when to drop a bit. And he, all of the other defenders just go up 5%, I think, when he plays. And it helps that he's a good player himself. And I think the only issue is his fitness, really. As I, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, I think if we can get 25 or 30 
touch in 30 games for him this season. I don't think we'll lose many games that he plays because I, I really do rate him quite highly. The, the irony is that he's the only centre-off that's not injured. <laughs> now, yeah. I mean, like, he's the first one to get injured, but like all of them have got injured. Um, I touched on it before. I, I did the preview pod just before this, and I kind of decided which one I'm putting out. But I heard the other day about... Um, just on the topic of injured defenders, that Jamali, I don't know how far true this is, but um, I heard that Jamali's actually done his MCL and his ACL. I don't even know if that's possible, but apparently he's like, basically he's, his legs fell off. Um, <laughs> so he might be out for a while. But but Ian, what, what did you think of the, the centre-backs? Like, I thought Luke Nine actually looked really good. Yeah, that, yeah, I, yeah, I was just going to say that. He looks like he's... Played at that, you know, you know, left-sided centre back for, you know, for all, all his all his sort of life. He just, yeah. he just looked really, really, yeah, yeah, sort of natural. And um, yeah, as well, uh, you know, Conor Mack, you know, looking there, sort of confident, it's you know, right, playing well. It's <laughs> yeah, haha, yeah, you know, you know, he did his job. Because yeah. in, in truth, uh, Conor McLaughlin's a bit of a joke. Like in truth, so the fact that even he's playing well is a bit like, whoa, we yeah, are going to win the league. Yeah. It is, yeah. It's like honestly, I feel like you could put anyone there. Like you could put like Steve Bold, or like of now, or like Stan Varga of now next to Bailey Wright, and would be all right. Would be fine. <laughs> it just like just stick anyone there. Because at first I thought, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong with this, but I thought maybe should we change the formation because everyone's so injured. Should we just change the formation for a couple of games to get results? And he didn't do that. He just basically put like hexagon-shaped things in the round holes. And it worked. Like, so I suppose my question to you, Ian, would be is is Phil Parkinson uh, a genius? <laughs> um no. <laughs> <laughs> too, too early to tell that one. You know what? Yeah, yeah, you've hit that fairly square there. I think um, you know we know he likes to have back five. Yeah, he, he is. He is a manager who is known to really drill his um, his uh, their sort of teams. So, and it's like everybody knows what they have have to do. Um, I think you know, and I was thinking about this, and one thing um, that. Is it's maybe quite hard, hard to sort of judge, and because we're not actually at at sort of games as well, we don't really have that sort of feeling, and um, you know the players themselves aren't really, you know, you know sort of celebrating like they would if there was fans there. But um, I really wonder that actually if if that team sort of spirit is is seems to be really really strong. Yeah. Um. You know. Uh, the, the Bailey Wright obviously is a um, their leader. Um, their sort of leg bet is in really good form. We know he he loves the you know the the, the club. He's obviously a senior and um, their sort of player. All of the players look and sound like they're really up for it. Yeah. Um, you know, and that actually seems sort of different. You know, to how it's been. You know, sort of recently, but. You know, all of the players seem to really actually buy in to what to what sort of park he wants to do. So, I think I've got an admission to make. Everyone knows that I really love George Dobson, right? Don't know why I just like him, but I think <laughs> I think I might like Bailey Wright even a bit more. And I know it's controversial coming from me, but like 
it was that video he did with the fan the other week. Did you see that when he was like, he surprised a fan and the fan just like popped up and was like, ee, it's barely right. <laughs> when, Good day, mate. And I was like, oh, what a class bloke. Like for a guy with like blonde tips, what a nice fella. Because most guys with blonde tips aren't. Um, but I said, so what a nice lad. That's dead nice of him. Um, one thing I did want to touch on with, with Sunderland. Now we've touched on this a couple of times when we're talking about centre-forwards. And a couple of weeks ago, we all kind of agreed that Charlie White is not the greatest for getting goals. However, when it comes to Charlie White, he is the best in that system. And then I think it was the next game. I can't remember it was against... I think it was... might have been Charlton. Um, he came on and he was rubbish. He just gave foul away after foul away after foul away. But since we've last spoke, he scored two and two. He's actually got, I think, five and five across all competitions, if you include like Aston Villa's under 12s. Um, Jack, is, is Charlie White the best option, despite the fact that he's not a 20 goal a season striker? I certainly think he's number one at the minute, particularly with them two goals he scored. You know, he's got the position, you know, at the minute until otherwise. But I think the one thing I've noticed, obviously, the goals are the main thing that he judged on as a striker. But I think he seems more agile. I think he seems to be a little bit, not, he's never going to be lightning. He's never going to be a Jamie Vardy or someone like that running in behind. But I think he, he is a little, he seems to be a bit more getting in the right positions. Like last night, I noticed that ball he took around the goalkeeper and then the keeper brought him down. I think he would have actually got a shot away there last night. And I think last season so. he probably he probably wouldn't last season or the season before, he probably wouldn't have even got on the end of the, the ball over the top. Not only did he get on the end of it, he took around the goalkeeper and I think he would have had a shot at goal, but could have been brought down. I think the keeper was a bit lucky not to see a red rather than a yellow. So I think his his athleticism's improved a little bit. I think his agility looked a little bit better. I mean, like I say he's never going to be chasing up and down or a lightning quick striker. He's just that's just not what he is. But I certainly think he's made improvements. And I think, you know, the couple of goals he got, what I liked about him was the really, like, almost both just finishes. The goal he got against uh, Swindon, the way he left his mark and got across him. And I know he didn't technically get the goal last night. I think it went down as an own goal, but he pretty much forced that. Let's give it to him. Defenders don't want own goals anyway. So I think give him that one as well. And he forced that mistake with his movement. I think, yeah, I think he has definitely made made improvements. I think he's got, got the striker position his own, for now at least anyway. It's interesting as well, like he said in his post-match interview yesterday, he said, um, they asked him how he's feeling, and he said, yeah, I've had a proper pre-season for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I suppose I never really thought about that, and pre-season, you know, weird pre-season, but it's, has that given him time to reset a little bit? I mean, don't get me wrong, he's not like, the cat's at it again. Um, he's not like, I, I don't watch him and go, oh my God, he's a different player in the way that I'm doing with Ledbetter. And I'm not saying that. I still think there's a lot of stuff to go on. But if the criticism is he didn't score enough goals, he scored two and two. So if he continues at that rate or even at a slightly lesser rate, he's, he's going to be the striker we expected. But do you think the, the fact that he's had pre-season and the fact that he's alluded to it is maybe one of the big reasons he's looked so lethargic and poor for so long and that could be the difference? Could well be, isn't it? I mean, then to this uh, sort of park, he prides himself on making sure, you know, the players are fit. Yeah. Um, White's often had, had sort of niggles and uh, obviously he had his big um, this sort of injury when he first came and he was out for, you know, a good, a good few months. Injury, so, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, going back to what sort of Jack, Jack sort of um, said about um, how he played last night, um, one thing that actually stood out to me that was maybe um, two, two 
two or three times he actually he he was in the um the sort of channels um long sort of ball up to her, which he was able to actually hold up and bring others into um their sort of play. Yeah. Um you know, and that's not really something I've ever really seen much from him at all. So, yeah, haha, he was, yeah, he was good. Um, and in our system, he is, yeah, he is the right, the right sort of player, isn't he? So it's just, yeah. it's just for me, he's like for all of his flaws, he's still probably the best option. I'd love it to be Danny Graham because he's just Danny Graham's just a bit daft, isn't he? There's something that's quite like about about the fact that he's just a bit daft. Before we leave Sunderland. I don't know how many of you have watched it, but Danny Graham was actually an open goal this week, which is a great <laughs> podcast, um, which probably the best, if I'm honest. And he was, Cy Ferry, the, the host, was asking him about De Canio at Sunderland. And he said a few different things about how mad he was, nothing that you wouldn't have not expected. But he said, after we beat Newcastle, he told the dressing room that he wanted to go home stick a banana up his ass, and I quote, have a wank. Now, <laughs> why do you think Paolo, I'll throw this one to you, Jack, doesn't like tomato sauce, <laughs> but has a bit of a liking for a banana? I mean, this Paolo Di Canio, just the, the name itself, I mean, some of the things you heard from a man about the ice and, and the, the drinks and the, the ketchup and... This, that, and the other, not eating, not eating dinner at the, at the same time as the players, and I don't know. It was just a crazy, crazy little episode in the history of Sunderland FC, wasn't he? I mean, no one will ever forget. Right. It. I think we only hear six months, but the stories and everything that you hear from that era and everything and produced that fantastic day against Newcastle away, which is wonderful. But other than that, I'm not really sure we remember too fondly. It was just crazy man, crazy time. Those six months he was in charge, wasn't it? I wonderful for everyone, but the bloody football. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving away from Sunderland I, I can't believe we're even talking about it to be honest but we're going to have to talk about it because such a thing's been made out of it we've talked about as he's now been coined by SFC Fan TV which I thought was quite funny actually the Virgil van Wyk um, Virgil van Dyke has has he died um, <laughs> because there's been a big outpouring of what's happened now I'm going to try my best to, to be serious about this but it's People are going mental about Pickford and going absolutely crackers about how it was malicious and how he's similar to Roy Keane. And my opinion's not always right. Often it's quite off the mark. But Ian, are people not going a little bit overboard on what's happened to Virgil van Dijk? Does it not just happen in football? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've seen loads of things like this. You know, players get injured all the time. Um, And was... But Pickford reckless? No, you know, did he mean it? No, is he nah, clumsy? I think he did. Yes. Oh, <laughs> you absolutely. Know that? Yeah. Um, you know, he got injured. the The reaction's interesting because, um, you know, Van Dyke doesn't play for any, you know, club. He plays for, um, you know, Liverpool. And if you go by their um, their motto. Uh, it means more for them than it does anyone else. So, uh, uh, <laughs> I wonder that if really you're a fan base. Like, don't get me wrong, and I've, I, I, I quite like Liverpool, and I like seeing them do well and whatnot. But I've just found the whole outpouring is like, hey man, just get on with it. Like these things happen. I don't think Pickford's Pickford's a proper madhead 
for want of a for want of a better name, he's a madhead. Like that's just who he is. He's just a a charver from Washington that's not batting goals. He has a rush of blood to the head. I think there's how can you premeditate doing someone's like knee ligaments unless you're Roy Keane and you've had uh-huh. 18 months to think about like Alfie Haaland and doing his knee? You, I don't think you can premeditate doing because those players will be so far apart on the pitch in almost every circumstance because Van Dyke plays at centre half for Liverpool, Pickford's in goal. How is he going to sit there and go, I cannot wait until I collide with Van Dyke and I'm going to do his knee? And that's what you're saying if it's premeditated, pretty much. And I think he's came out. You see goalkeepers spread themselves a lot. They stick their hands out, they stick their legs, they'll do anything and get in the way. Pickford's, unfortunately, which is a bit of a shame because I, I don't like to see him doing it, he's a bit of a hothead and sometimes goes overboard with his reactions. And I think he's done that and he just, he's, he's hit the lad's knee and he's obviously... He's, it looked like it was hanging off. It sounds like it was hanging off. But I mean, Jack, what do you think? Am I, am I, are we wrong with that, Melian, or is it just overboard? No, I think, well, I actually, believe it or not, I went to school with Jordan. He was um, he was in my classes at school at St. Robert's School. I went to him. It's such an easy, it's a cliche, but he just loves football. He absolutely loves playing the game. And I think he's taken that into when he plays for Everton in England. And I think you mentioned the word rash. I think he is a little bit rash at times, but I think it's because. He's so desperate to play well. He's so desperate to play, you know, play well in the game. He loves and he loves playing. And I just think sometimes he can't control himself and it does get a little bit ahead of him. And I, there, there would be no doubt in my mind, there's no, there was no attempt to go out and, and, and hurt him. Do you know what I mean? Yes, he did make the title. It was a bit clumsy. He, he is a bit clumsy at times and a little bit rash with his emotions. And you see him shouting at the defenders and shouting and screaming and bite, beating the ground when he's let a goal in and things like that. And that's just him. So yes, was it rash? Yes, it was. But I think the Liverpool fans in general, I love I love Liverpool as a city and I think the fans are great. But I think mm-hmm. there's a tendency sometimes to have a bit of a pity attitude about them. Do you know what I mean? And I think particularly with this thing, it's, it just doesn't look good on them. Yes, it's injury. Yes, it's a key player, Van Dyke. I actually think Liverpool will be okay without Van Dyke. Yes, he's a great fun, player. Yeah. But some of, the, some of the, the Van Dyke's the best defender in the world. He's the best defender in living history. You know what I mean? It's like, calm it down. I think... Bear in mind, I just think he's slightly overrated. You know, Tin Hat on massively, but I think he is slightly overrated. And I think Liverpool will cope okay with them not being there. And I think this whole, you know, wanting to speak to the FA, um, the Premier League about VAR and why was it offside and everything. Just, just get on with it, lads. You know what I mean? Just get Aye. on with it. Everyone deals with it. You've got the best team in the league. You're going to win the league by counter again because City obviously don't look as good as they were in the past couple of seasons. It's going to be fine. You've got like Joe Gomez, who's like one of the best young centre-backs in the league. You've yeah. got Fabinho, who's like a midfielder that can drop in. You're going to be fine, lads. And the only thing that worries me about him being injured, if they think they need to make a sign-in, it does worry me a little bit that Bailey Wright might be getting looked at um, in, in the January transfer window. So if you're listening, um, Liverpool scouting, he's... Billy Wright's rubbish. What we said before is a massive lie. You don't need him. Um, moving away from Liverpool and Van Dijk and all that kind of stuff, um, I wanted to stick with the Premier League. And, and rather than talking about modern day topics, something kind of, oh, well, modern day topics, I guess, but not like current affairs is what I meant. I was thinking the other day about like the WSL and how all the, like, the players like Kristen Press and um, Alex Morgan, although she hasn't played yet, have moved to the WSL. And it's kind of like WSL is like any player you'd ever want to see in England in the, the top league in the women's uh, league. 
have kind of gone there really more or less apart from say Rapino. and maybe think who would be the players that you'd want to see in like the Premier League because we've got so many good players but there's still loads of players that have never really played there so I wanted to pose this question it's like just a random question um, I'll come to you Jack but which players would you like to see in the Premier League like over the next year which players would you love to see just come in the Premier League and, and watch them weekly on match of the day I think the obvious answer would be Messi, wouldn't it? But best player in the world, you know, um, that's never been in the Premier League. But I think I'd like to see someone who's like really quick and talented. But it's, it's such a cliche that the English game is physical. But I think it is it is more physical than the other, than the other European leagues. I'd like to see someone who's technically gifted, obviously got the skills. But you know, the old cliche, can they do it on a wet Tuesday night in Stoke? <laughs> time, you know what I mean? I would like to see someone like maybe a Neymar there. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, not doubt Neymar's talent and he's a superb footballer. But I'd like to see him, you know, in the, the tough, gritty game, you know, somewhere like that on, on a Wednesday night at Stoke and just see how he would cope, you know, how what, what he would do and how he would play. I would like to see someone like Neymar in the Premier League. What about you, Ian? Who would, who would it be for you? <laughs> um, I was actually just having a think about this and when Jack mentioned about, um, you know, wet nights and... Um, that sort of physicalness. Um, I actually, it made me think of um, the, the old firm and their two star, um, their sort of strikers. So um, they had Edward for Celtic. I think, uh, you know, he's he's a big lad and he, yeah, he's got lots of skills and he, he, he looks like he could do um, the, the business. Uh, the Morelos at Rangers. Um, yes. I would just love to see That's him. The right answer. That's the right for, answer. <laughs> just for the sheer, you know, sort of bonkersness of it, because he would be, he would either be absolutely brilliant or uh, just a complete and utter um, liability. So, <laughs> Morelos is brilliant. To me, it would be Lewandowski. Would be the would be the correct answer for me because I'm not. <laughs> I don't know, I'm not bothered about Messi. I know that sounds daft as a guy that loves football, but Messi's just like, when I watch him, I'm like, oh, you're too good. This is pointless. <laughs> like, you're too good. I think Lewandowski is like, just someone that would just fit into the Premier League and just look class and just score all the time. Every time I've seen him, he's just dynamite. But Morelos was the answer I was hoping someone was going to give. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing with, I don't know whether, if anyone follows Morelos on Instagram, obviously I do. Um... He's had a little girl not too long ago. And the thing about Morales is he's not just brilliantly mad on the pitch. He's obviously a bit brilliantly mad off the pitch as well. So he's got that funny haircut. You've all seen it where he's got like half the hair shaved and half of it's in like a side parting. I don't really know what the plan is, but he pulls it off. It's fine. But he's got a daughter that must be about six months old. She's got the same haircut. <laughs> exactly the same haircut he's like shaved half her hair off and gave her like a side parting and I'm just like and then Ashley pointed out the other week that <laughs> at every occasion big occasion that Morales has she has a balloon party for him like if you go on his Instagram if he returns back from international duty balloon party if he scores a goal <laughs> balloon party like Threatened in the streets of Glasgow by a Celtic fan. Balloon party. Like, everything is a balloon party. But that was a fantastic segue. Ian, thank you very much. Onto the old firm. Um, I, I, I think you can say what you want. I love the old firm. It's like literally the best game, I think, on the planet because they just absolutely hate each other. And I can say that because I know that. I've lived in Glasgow for 10 years and it lasts for about two months. If something Newcastle is fierce, 
and you have a go at each other for like two weeks. Literally, the old firm lasts for like two months beforehand, two months afterwards, and it's the most aggressive, horrible stuff. It's glorious. Like, I know it shouldn't be, but it is. If you're a football fan that can take everything with good humour, the old firm's amazing. Um, Rangers absolutely battered Celtic on, on Saturday. Like, literally, like, wiped the floor. And Celtic didn't have a, a chance on goal. Um, Jack, you're a fan of... You're fond of Celtic. Uh, uh-huh. you, you got battered. Um, you're probably not going to get 10 in a row now because... All the players have got COVID. And... There's a long way to go. There's a long, long way to go. Let's not forget if Celtic win the game in hand, they are only a point behind Rangers. So stop I'll sounding like go. stop sounding like Chris Sutton. I'm not having this, right? I'm not I, having uh, this. I don't disagree with you. Rangers were the better team on the day. I think from a Celtic perspective, I'd be a little bit concerned at the fact that the last three old firm games, Celtic haven't really turned up. They won the cup final in in um, November, I think it was last yeah. year. Through hanging on, really, the defended well, crafted Rangers missed a lot of chances. Rangers are a bit unlucky, and Celtic hung on and took the chance and got the win, which was great at the time. But then we've had two Celtic matches, Celtic Rangers matches at Parkhead or Celtic Park, and Rangers being the better team twice now. So it's pretty much like three games in a row that Celtic haven't really turned up. And I think Stephen Gerrard got the better of Neil Lennon on a personal duel. Um, so I think going into these games, I think we need Celtic need a rethink. I think they need, you know, Dole very well and could have possession, but Rangers look more cutting edge. Rangers look like they were creating more problems. I don't know the possession, but I think we'll assume probably Celtic did have more of the ball, but it counts for nothing if they don't get it right in the two boxes and Celtic didn't take any chances, didn't really create any. And then I thought they were sloppy defending for both goals. I thought Bolton was a little bit lucky with the second one. I think, you know, that was probably one of the scrappy goals. You'll say that he basically bundled it over the line, but I suppose they all count over. Talking about the game itself and trying to take my obviously blue tinted spectacles off. Um, obviously, 10 in a row is something that's still very much possible. We've seen Rangers dominate at Parkhead last season. And, you know, yeah, there was COVID, but Celtic were going to win that league anyway, I think come what may. Um, Celtic have looked rocky for a few weeks before Rangers games and a lot of people said, oh, I think this is like where the real test is for Celtic. They've got a few players missing and so on and so forth. But a few Celtic fans say like, you know, yeah, I think we might not do the 10 in a row. We don't look good enough. You've got some Celtic fans that are saying, well, we're missing Christie, we're missing Edward. You know, there was players missing that were there. Um, do you think that played a big part in it, those players missing. Well, I suppose it did, but do you think that coupled with the games beforehand where they've kind of just got over the line against other teams? Celtic are going to finish in the top two, but do you think it's becoming more of a concern that Celtic might actually finish in the two and the tables might actually turn this season? And I'll, I'll pass that to you, Jack. Uh, I think, well, I think we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, I think Rangers are getting closer and closer all the time. And um, if Rangers don't do it this year, they certainly will next year. I think possibly for the first time in a while, I think Rangers are ready to, to, to take a league title. Um, I think, not to kind of make excuses for Celtic performance, but I think a lot of Celtic players does go through Edward and I think he was a weakness. I know Rangers have Absolutely. players missing as well. So I think Rangers can argue they missed a couple. I don't know Rangers, you know, Graham, you'll probably know Rangers team better than I do, but Rangers were probably missing a couple of players as well. So I'm not kind of using it as an excuse, but I think Edward's more of a miss to Celtic than the Rangers players that were missing were to them, if that makes sense. So Christie's think, a big miss. Yeah, Christy's I think, I think a sense of perspective is needed. It's not the end of the world, but I think if it had just been a one-off game and Rangers have beaten Celtic, I'd say, yeah, fair enough. But the fact is that Rangers have played better than Celtic in the last three old firms now. Um, is a little bit of a concern and I think really there's some Celtic fans wanting Lennon out on Twitter and I think let's 
ram it down now. But I think if Celtic agree, it could be as as, as crucial to, to Neil Lennon really how Celtic play at Ibrox in January. If Celtic go to Ibrox in January and play Bully again and Rangers win again, I think that could be it from a really do. I think that might be, you know, off your goal like so. Yeah, I think so too. Because obviously he's not performed particularly well in Europe this season again either. Um, Ian, I'm going to throw a slightly different question at you. Um, the old firm without fans, was it just as intense or do you think it lost a bit? Um, it, no, it definitely did lose a bit. Did um, Yeah, because I mean, the, you know, and you know, Graham, um, you know, the atmosphere every single time in those matches is, it is, you know, it is, you know, something else is, you know, you know, fierce and, you know, nasty and, and loud and... White hot, uh, I believe, is the, the word. Absolutely brilliant, you know, when, you know, when it's a good game, it's just, you know, superb. So, um, however, if you play for Celtic or um, the Rangers and you're not up for an old firm game, you know, regardless of what the circumstances are, then, um, you know, you're, you're at the wrong, um, you know, club there, aren't you? Aren't you? So, um, no, I mean, you know, it, it was uh, feisty and so on. Um, but yeah, you know, you know, fans have to be there, and it is the it is the biggest one. It's it's probably, you know, Europe wise. I don't think you know, you know, it is the it's the derby match. Yeah, you know, nothing compares. Really, isn't any that can no, no, nothing comes close. What did you make of Morelos built in Scott Brown across the back of the head? I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> well, you know what? I I tell you what made it good was actually if you watch the whole the whole sort of clip, um, their brain has a wee smile just at the end. Of the <laughs> yeah, day. it does. You know, fair enough. You know, <laughs> but, but, but I think I think that's the thing with Scott Brown is like he's the player that if you're a Rangers fan, you love to hate. And I think Morales is. It's just that's just the, that's the good part of the old firm. It's feisty. It's, it, but you're right. He turns around, and I think he calls him a few choice words. But he's got a wry smile on his face, like "Ah, yeah. you've done, you've done me this time," sort of thing. But uh-huh. yeah. like that, that lives with players like that, and it comes back um, far away from the the wonder of Scottish football, which I absolutely <laughs> love. Actually, before we leave, did anyone happen to see the uh, the Scottish Championship game? It was between Air and Queen of the South, I think. Didn't have that enjoyment. No. <laughs> well, apparently. So a few fans got in, Ooh. I think it was air ah. fans. A few fans got in and decided <laughs> Yes. Yeah. For, <laughs> for 90 minutes to, 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 to basically chant at Stephen Dobby that he's got a small Bobby. A Bobby being in in Scotland, a man's mm-hmm. a part of a man's anatomy. Which I just thought, you know, if there is a European Super League, which again is a wonderful segue, um, and you can see what I'm doing here. The wonder, the wonder of the Scottish Championship and the Scottish leagues will probably just see me deflect to those leagues because if I can just stand on a, a terrace at some point when COVID's all done and just shout at players and just pretend, you know, there's something wrong with their Bobby in terms of size, then that that's kind of the that, that's the world you want, isn't it? Pretty much, you don't want a European Super League <laughs> when you can chant about Stephen Dobby having a small Bobby. Um, but the European Super League, yeah. um, it's going to happen at some point, I think, isn't it? Um, we'll go before we go into European Super League we'll talk about um, what was it Project Big Picture or something which is a ridiculous title mm. by the way whoever came up for that should be shot with shit a terrible idea um, but Jack what, what did you make of the idea of Project Big Picture or whatever it was called 
I don't know. I, I, I get what they're to do, and I get what they're trying to do because obviously coronavirus has had such a big impact on the world, hasn't it? Not just the world of sport, the world in general. So I get what they're trying to do, but I think some of the things that they need they need kind of ironing out before they come with these proposals. You know what I mean? I mean the money, the money that they're dishing out. Yes, it's a good idea in principle, but long term, what, what's going to happen to it? You know what I mean? Are they just going to leave the, the lower league teams and, and not kind of give them the money once this is done? You know because Yes, they're going to be great in the meantime, but the um, coronavirus isn't isn't just the, the the only problem. You know what I mean? There's been a, a a a gap between the Premier League and the lower leagues that's getting bigger and bigger all the time. So it's a good idea in principle, but I think you know they're just kind of deflecting all of the football's troubles at the minute onto coronavirus. And I think yes, it's the main issue for now. But six months, hopefully nine months down the line, when Corona's finished and we're back to normal, whenever it is. I still think you're going to have those issues in football that need seriously redressing. Otherwise, you're going to have things like Super League mooted, and that would be well, would change, would be you know massive for the for the, the English game as a whole. What I thought was kind of funny though was the fact that, <laughs> and I think Wiseman say attested to it, and it had me giggling. Um, <laughs> Jim Rodwell coming out and being like, oh, I think it's a great idea. And like, he'd done his hair and all that. And he was, he'd had a nice shave and that. He'd, he'd got rid of that big Santa Claus beard and he was all like proper, like puppet on the strings, like Donald's puppet, like saying how oh, it was a great idea and all that kind of stuff. And then like 10 minutes later, they were like, yeah, it's not happening. It's been voted down. Like, how much of a dick must he have felt after that? <laughs> like, I'm going to go out there and say something controversial, but it, it might happen. It might happen, so I'm going to do it. Then 10 minutes later, Jim, it hasn't happened. It's like, oh, crumbs. Like, say, like say, oh, you've done this again, Donald. Um, do you, what, do you, what do you think about the, the European Super League, the Project Big Picture, all of this, what seems to me, Ian, like the elite clubs mm-hmm. just want to be in their own little bubble and they want to forget about the likes of anyone else. Also, the fact that there was nine teams in that project, big picture, and one of them was Southampton. Eh? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying they're a bad club, but Matt Letitia is their only icon. <laughs> like, their only... I, I can't think of any other Southampton player that I would be like, oh... Like Shearer, didn't they? Like Shearer when he was there for a few, yeah? Oh, he's not an yeah. icon for anyone, Shearer. He's just a yeah. bad man. Shearer's just a bad man. Keegan was there. Also a bad man. Yeah, can't forget him. They're <laughs> all bad men. <laughs> Mainly because they're all black and white. But but do you think do you think these clubs just want, if they want to go like is it just getting to the point where they just let them go in? Just say all right, then leave them. If you don't want to be around, go. This, I you know what I mean. It's I think it seems they're sort of acute. At the moment, because of the financial the sort of issues that that the lower leagues are are having at the moment. However, these plans, um, variants of them have been, you know, mooted every every year for the past, you know, twenty, you know, seasons. To be honest, you know, we've heard about, oh yeah, we're going to have a European Super League, and you know, the top. Top four in England are going to break off. Now it's the top six. And so, you know, I've heard this so many times. Um, I think in the context of, of where we are just now, it seems more obscene because, you know, League, League One and and two clubs, are, a lot of them are probably fairly desperate just now. Um, and there really isn't much, much money coming in for them. 
<clears throat> I think, I mean, I, did, I like to think that, uh, you know, Sunderland are fairly safe by the size of our fan base that we can actually, you know, generate the, the revenue that we need. Um, yeah. However, I think a lot of clubs don't. So, you know, when we look at the past few weeks, so, you know, European Super League or um, Project Big Picture or will uh, give leagues one and two fifty million pounds. But, but by the way, uh, you know, we're going to reduce the size of um, the, the Premier League and actually we, we want to sell our own, you know, TV rights, you know, by, by sort of club and we get to keep all that money. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it seems obscene. You know, like when you look at, there was something very telling last week at the end of, of the transfer window. And um, it was West Brom had bought Huddersfield's um, uh, striker. Um, oh, um, uh, Grant, is it? Colin Grant? Colin Grant, who used to be yeah. at uh, Charlton, yes. Yeah, so so they paid, you know, maybe 15 million, 18 million for him. Um, and one of one of the one one of the well-known sports um uh they're sort of journalists, I can't remember which one, however, he said, right, this will right, this will now mean, you know, that other other championship clubs are gonna start, you know, doing this sort of business. Um and to be honest, no real championship the club has actually spent much money. No. Um that you know, and that just shows shows to me that actually, you know, clubs are struggling, not spending money. Um, you know, a, a lot of championship clubs have massive wage bills and they're, they're going to be desperate. Um, and all this project big picture in European Super Leagues is just, uh, I, I actually find it quite quite sort of sickening, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit, yeah, I feel a bit like that. And I mean, one thing I want to touch on as well, sort of for this to you, Jack, the, the whole 1495 thing, um, paying for a Premier League game. I mean, nah, not for me. Um, I mean, you're paying £10 for a, a Sunderland stream is maybe a little bit different because I chose not to renew this season until I knew what was going on with it. At the moment, I don't mind paying £10 between the household, between me and Ashley to watch the game when it's on. £10, you know, it will be a cheap game of football. So I'm quite happy to watch it. But then you've got clubs that like are asking season ticket holders to... Pay fourteen ninety five on top. I mean, jacket. Have people forgot that there's like an actual global pandemic and people can't afford most things, let alone extra money to watch blooming football? And the one thing that's keeping us going. Yeah, it's sickening, isn't it? I mean, I couldn't believe it at first when they were asking for that. I think it's just um, it just shows a total lack of regard for the fans, and it's really I hate to sound like an old man when I say this, but the money is getting obscene in the game, isn't it? It's getting to the level whereby you know, all better off as long as the money's piling in. And I think, you know, I think we need to remember that we are in a pandemic. And I think also we need to remember, firstly, that, you know, a lot of football fans, I think, you know, particularly at our level, certainly in our club, are working class supporters, you know what I mean? I mean, yes, you get your big your big businessmen buying into the, the game and everything. But I think if you, you took a, a poll of fans up and down the country, the majority of them would class themselves probably maybe not at a certain club, but most of the clubs would have working class supporters. They don't have a great deal of disposable income. So to have to ask for you know a subscription fee for your Sky, and then if you're paying on top of BT, 
what Sky these 60 pound a month, 70, 80 pound a month? I don't know, but then you've got 80, yeah, 70, 80, something like that. Then another 20 or 30, you're talking 100 pounds, say 100 pounds for Sky and BT, and then 15 pounds per game, every game that your team's on. I mean, it's just where, where does it stop? Where, where do we where do we draw the line? Maybe Super League might be a good thing for the rest of us, you know what I mean? The other teams that aren't in the Super League, and it'll be a bit easier to redress the the the, the money a bit better. I, I don't know. Um, but it's certainly, I, I think, to be fair, you know, not to, to kind of give too much credit to Newcastle fans, but I think they've, they've done a boycott, haven't they? They've done a boycott whereby they've paid money to, to give to a charity food yeah. bank or something that raises a close to nineteen twenty thousand pounds um, not for me to give that on the backs to our mag friends up the road, but that's the type of idea that they need. That's the type of thing that we. That's the type of thing that they need to do because I'd love to see the figures of how many people have actually paid for the fourteen ninety five. I don't think it'll be a great deal of people that have actually done it. I read the figure the other day, confirmed figures, I believe that was it Burnley and West Brom that played each other on Monday. I mean, it's a dreadful game anyway. Isn't it? <laughs> there was seventy-two people that paid fourteen ninety-five. There you go, then. 72. Like, can you imagine sitting there, though, thinking about, like, oh, lads, I know, like, everyone's going to hate us for this, but more money, you know what I mean? Let's go for it. This is going to be great. Then 72 people buy it. You'd just be like... But you get the feeling that they're not even going to look at that and go, oh, maybe it was the wrong idea. They're going to plough on with it. Um, Does anyone remember what the first pay-per-view game was on Sky involving a, a championship team? Do any of you remember that? Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it was yeah. Sunderland the fact you're asking it was it was it Sunderland was. versus Oxford and it was nil-nil <laughs> it was nil-nil and it was on a Sunday and I watched it in the Grange because the Grange bought it so everyone just went and watched it in the Grange it used to be a great pub the Grange I haven't been in for a while seems a little bit too family orientated for me now don't really like that um, but aye before, before we go I'm going to add a new segment in here I'm throwing it at you as a random surprise so this could go <laughs> this could go Right up Shits Creek. Um, what was your favourite moment of of the, the last week, Jack, in football? Or even not football? Favourite moment of the last week, not in football. Uh, well, in, in football, I would have to, you know, link it back to Sunderland. We'll go full circle, the two Sunderland wins, you know, six points, two clean sheets. Happy days, happy days. <laughs> what about you, Ian? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously Sunderland are doing well. Um I've, I've actually I've got a story from um, where Scotland again, but it's just this Shock. one made me laugh. <laughs> no, but this, this one made me laugh, um, and um, it was the Motherwell coach Morris Ross. Uh huh. Um, so 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 Motherwell's match with um, Saint Mirren was um, abandoned, wasn't it? Because of COVID. Yeah. Um, Love COVID. Of COVID. <laughs> However, Ross basically said that he didn't uh, he didn't mention saying saying sort of Mirren um specifically and what he says is that he didn't mean that they would actually do this. However, what he did say was uh we have basically reached a stage where if I you know if we turn around and say our we've got a good few you know players injured and um, and we have a big game that they're sort of coming up. Um, we can turn around and see our um, the kit man's wife has has got you know uh, this COVID and they get the game called off. <laughs> Tactical COVID. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be a great, like, a great like, new thing on football manager. Like you, you pay for like just about the COVID because you can't play. 
Um, my my favorite moment of the week, and it's actually my least favorite moment of the week at the same time, was Andy Burnham this week. Um, obviously fighting quite rightly um, against the government at the people for the fact that he, he wants to make sure his people are looked after, which is obviously absolutely no crime. But do you know when he reads the the message on the phone and he's like looking and the guy's like, oh, this is what they've just said in the Houses of Commons and, and he's looking at it. It's the way that he looked at it, the same way that a dad would look at your phone when you're giving him the team sheet at the match. He couldn't have detected it <laughs> any better. Like he just looked at it like, all right, so he's got Charlie White up front again, has he? Um, and it was the same kind of like sad look when your dad looks at the team sheet and goes, oh, he's not, he's not is he? Uh, but yeah, but fair yeah, play, Dan, Andy. But Dan, uh, Dan um, McNeil isn't even on the bench. I think that's the look. Yes. Oh, no Daniel again. <laughs> and Jack Diamond remind, on the bench. It reminded me a bit of, you ever, have, you seen, have you ever seen The Office when um, Ricky Gervais goes for the uh, the blind date with the woman in the pub and he's like really excited beforehand and he's like, uh, yeah, she said she'd be wearing a white chiffon scarf. So like really big and rough. <laughs> And she comes and she's not the best looking a woman, and you just goes, Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> As if to say, like, oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, Ricky Gervais, what a man. Um, right, lads, thank you very much for popping back on. It's nice to be back. Um, we managed to can as much as we could in the past two weeks into a, a small segment of however long that was. I wasn't counting. Um, but thanks for coming on as always. Try, thanks for trying to keep it serious, and I'm obviously veering off into like Tom Green sort of world of, of nutsness of doing my <laughs> second part of the day. But thanks for popping on, lads. Appreciate it. Cheers, oh, cheers. Enjoyed it. Yeah, cheers. Thank you.